Shout out to the Powers of X-Men podcast, Dayspring and Flinkman. What's up, Familia? We're here with a very fun episode, Power of X-Men. We're going to discuss the top 10 most wanted villains we want in X-Men 97. And in order to do this episode, I had to bring two of my favorite Canadians. (laughs) (laughs) So even though we're going to be discussing villains, uh, please expect a very polite conversation. (laughs) God, I've never been polite a day in my life. You know that more than anyone. <laughs> so that voice is, of course, Hammy, returning back to the podcast. Uh, yeah, excited to be here. Excited to talk about some mean people. And <laughs> excited, <laughs> more excited to listen to you guys kind of uh, argue and complain about who should be on the list and who shouldn't. But, okay, <laughs> that's because before we hit record... Me and Latvarian Lad. Spoilers on who's our other person on the podcast today, Latvarian Lad. What up, everybody? I'm here getting ready to argue with Dayspring. Well, okay, this. we weren't arguing. <laughs> okay, listen, we weren't arguing. It's no. well, actually, you know what? How about this? We were getting along just fine. We That's had true. our little and, list here yeah. until you were like, <laughs> "Oh, I think there should be another villain on this list." I was like, "Okay, that does make sense. Let's eliminate this one." And that happened to me. <laughs> Sean's favorite one out of yeah. a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, uh, "Excuse me, no." And I will we'll, point out that we made the list, and Dayspring literally just put all of mine. We we agreed five <laughs> each, and he just put mine ten to to six, and then he put his five to one. So yeah, you could see the no, bias already coming in. No, Not I said surprised. you could, I said the I only had one request for number one, and you can order the rest. And I believe you said because you're so polite and Canadian, you were like, I don't care, don't worry. I was like, okay. That, that's actually <laughs> exactly what I said. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I was drunk at 90s con this entire time. So I I may or may not remember conversations as they happen. We've got Hammy here to uh be the unbiased voice of reason between our list and that's right. There. You brought in the the number one X Men expert for yeah. sure. One hundred percent knows all the stories about all these characters. So get ready for a little lesson, boys. Are <laughs> you are you taking notes? <laughs> do, am I taking notes or do I have notes? Those are two different <laughs> questions. Do I have a Wikipedia page open for every character? Who knows? Not me. Knows? Let's see. Okay, so did you guys see the X-Men 60th anniversary panel on Thursday by any chance? There, it's behind I, like a paywall, so if you didn't, it's fine. I did. You did? I caught it. Uh, I did not because I'm pretty sure it ran from midnight to 3 a.m. on a Thursday or UK time. So I, you know what I did? I listened to your podcast the next day. Wow, that's, a, <laughs> that's the best answer ever. Well, well, I listened to it twice, so there. <laughs> oh, there. <laughs> Boys, stop it. How dare you be fighting <laughs> over me and my affections here? Oh my God. Someone get Ian on here. Ian would love right. it. I know. He's going to be so mad that we were kicking in without him and other just concerns he has. But, um, okay, so we found out in the X-Men panel that X-Men 97 is going to take place a few months after the events of the finale for the original X-Men animated series. Xavier is off in space. Mutant acceptance has actually become a thing 
in, in the months following Xavier's departure. There's a public sympathy for the mutants. And we're going to see a tide changing. It's not going to be just all hate for the X-Men. And this makes the X-Men call into question, why have they been fighting? If now they're finally seeing that acceptance and that tolerance, maybe it's time for them to live their lives. So we know that's going to be a plot point that affects Gene, Rogue, and Gambit. And we also know that someone is going to come in and blow up everything good that's happening with the mutants. And that person is going to be Mr. Sinister. So I think it's safe to assume Sinister is going to be the big bad of of the first season. Well, it makes sense, too, because he's, he's so big in the comics right now that um, I think everybody probably assumed he'd be the most obvious choice to come back. But what will be interesting is if, uh, and I think you said it, is he going to be that kind of dark, um, one-dimensional, or more one-dimensional villain that he was in the old cartoon, or is he going to be the campy, fun sinister that we see today? Do you boys have a preference on which version to see? Yes, campy, campy, fun, <laughs> sinister. Duh. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going one note, creepy, sinister who like Homer Simpson walks into the bushes <laughs> kind of vibe. Like, I want maniacal serial killer, sinister. I'm, but I'm gonna... I do love campy, sinister. I hope we we see more of an evolution for him in the series, maybe loosen him up a little bit and see some of that camp over the top factor. But I I definitely think if we're going to be doing a continuation of the animated series, it can't be this complete 180. He has to be that really creepy, sinister, at least for a little bit, and then they can migrate him somewhere else. But it's when I think of that, when I heard that, I was like, okay, what are some of the big sinister stories from you know the 80s and the 90s assuming we're going to be doing those kind of stories and one it's going to be the mutant massacre his involvement with that and the marauders two it's going to be inferno with Matt <laughs> a bit d- a bit dark the mutant massacre <laughs> for a, a kid's cartoon but let's see did we see the same cartoon that the opening credits has jubilee running from a crowd that wants to lynch her and she's grabbing on the, fair, the, yeah, the no, and her eyes are terrified so so, so, so the Marauders and the Muta Massacre, Inferno, or Executioner song. I think those are three of the big stories we can see, and I think the Legacy Virus and Madeline Pryor stand a really good chance of coming into fruition here, which were they were touched upon in the original series. I think they'll probably do Inferno. Is the most of well, uh, no, I take that back. They'll probably do um, the one with Strife. Well, Executioner song. Yeah. So that's the one thing. So I, I was trying to think about because the X-Men, the original series was always an allegory for mutants and, you know, and their placement in real in, in society and, and you know, all of how that translates into oppression in the real world. And I'm like, OK, so they, they're experiencing really good publicity now. Everyone's on the side of the mutants. What's something to really turn that tide? A, a pandemic yeah. or a terrorist attack, you know? So Inferno, you know, attacking New York, assaulting New York, that that will definitely turn the tide or a virus that you know nothing about that's being spread through the public. I mean, we live through a pandemic, so we know firsthand how that happens. And we also know the legacy virus. There is an allegory with the AIDS epidemic as well. So I I think those two stand a really big shot, especially since it's sinister and how will sinister destroy the X-Men and all that public and all that goodwill. I think it's going to be one or the other. Yeah, I I agree. I think that's where it's going to go. I hope that's where it goes. I think Sinister being a geneticist and then having legacy virus stuff and having, you know, 
strife be a part of this would be really exciting. I just wonder, do you think like that's obviously executioner song is like incredibly popular, but do you think that's a place where this show will go? So it depends on the positioning of Xavier because Xavier is obviously a really big part of of executioner song that's not to say that like they did with days of future past and doing the substitute with bishop and kitty that they can't sub out xavier for like cyclops or whoever magneto i i think though you would want xavier for it so we've already talked about this on the show a couple times we know that there a season two is confirmed but i don't think it's because wow there's so much popularity already ahead of the series it's just how animation is produced and ordered and budget costs so i think the first half will be setting up something like executioner song or onslaught but i think episode 12 or whatever the marker is going to be for the end of season one xavier will be back with the x-men and then we can set up executioner song and then we'll dive into it for the second season if i was a betting man I think also too what you'll see is probably like the base storylines on kind of these big comic events from the past, but they won't be exactly the same, right? Because they, they, yeah. it's a different canon from the comic books. Um, they'll pull from it, but they, you know they'll make it more appropriate for the cartoon. Uh, and like you said, if they, you know they're missing a character, they'll just replace with somebody else. Um, so you'll probably see something based on that or Inferno, but um, hopefully also with little kind of episodes of the week dotted in so we can see some of the other villains that are going to appear on this list yeah cameos cameos and I, I have to say she's not on our list but i do i was thinking about it while i was coming back from yoga emma is going to have a major role here and i think she is going to be antagonistic we know she's already confirmed but i think she's going to be leading the hellions it may end with her you know turning over a new leaf but i think emma is going to have her journey from villain to hero in this in the series they would be stupid not to focus somehow on emma i mean i'm gonna go on strike if emma doesn't turn into a hero through this series so. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what i'm striking from but yep, yep. i'm gonna not I'm from gonna, the show you're gonna keep not, watching yeah, the show no matter what sure i'll definitely create a sign and <laughs> march around with it to to show my displeasure if that if that's not what they do i love how that's your solution for showing your displeasure <laughs> you're so polite you Canadian. I'm going to make a sign and hold it up in my own home where no one can yeah. see it. <laughs> I'm a little angry, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Slightly inconvenienced, don't you know? Okay, so let's dive into our top 10 most wanted ex-villains for X-Men 97. Folks at home, please slide into our DMs. Let us know which ex-villains you want to see. You can comment on the YouTube channel. You can hit up Sean or Hammy or myself. Let us know your feels on all of them. I'll kick us off at number 10, and number 10 is Mojo. I think we have to see Mojo return to the X-Men animated series canon. Yeah. And I think, you know, like I said, I would have liked to have seen um, Campy Sinister. I agree with you guys. I don't think they're going to do it. So this is the perfect solution is to have Campy Mojo, some, you know, two-part thing in Mojoverse, just really over the top, bring in Dazzler, bring in Longshot, um, and just have like a really kind of, wacky side adventure yeah it depends on what they want to do because mojo in the original series sort of had his own plot and kind of marched to the beat of his own drum 
I would love it. First of all, they need to bring Peter Wildman back. I believe that was voice of Mojo. He was phenomenal. Um, secondly, you, you, the biggest thing they need to do with Mojo, and this is like such a big thing from the comics, the X babies. We, we have to see the <laughs> the word have to. <laughs> they have to do I it. Take umbrage with them. No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, come on. The X babies. It is such an iconic story tied to Mojo that at least they have to be in the background. And I agree with what both of you were saying that we're going to get plenty of cameos in the background. That goes without saying. And and again, for folks at home, there is going to be the main plot, which I think we've all kind of agreed will be like an Inferno executioner song, whatever. But like the original series, we'll have a lot of one off episodes that all sort of gear towards it. So I would love a Mojo world with the X-Babies. I think that would be incredible. Do you guys have a favorite X-Baby? Sorry. No, baby Yoda? What? No. Uh, I have a pro. I can't talk about this because I hate all children things. Like I hate young actors. I hate anything that's like the Muppet Babies. I wasn't a fan of the Muppet Babies. You didn't like I- even like the Muppet Babies cartoon? No. Really? Oh, wait. I'm sorry. No. You said Muppet Babies and I heard Muppets, but you didn't like Muppet Babies? No. And like Batmite for the DC comics, like all that stuff just really kind of yeah bothers me really so i'll just say none and but i hope you get it baby's cartoon (laughs) intro is fucking iconic what is wrong with you i missed did i miss the part where i said i didn't like the intro or the part where i said i didn't like the show this is what i don't understand different things oh my god he is in a mood today. <laughs> I'm only here because I wanted to meet Sean. I'll be honest. <laughs> We're just going to kick Dayspring out and we'll just finish the finish list ourselves. No, go on about your Muppet babies or your X-Men okay, babies. Okay, so I hope they do like an intro, like like Muppet babies parody with the X-Babies. Okay, you know what could yeah. be fun? If in the Mojo verse they make like a show and then he redoes the classic intro, but with the babies... Like, yes, I agree. Yes, yes. If, any kind of parody with the babies. That's what I would love. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's not going to happen, but you could you could dream. I I, I stand, Bodo. Bodo Miles, <laughs> one requirement was if you're going to come work on the series, you have to be a fan of the X-Men. And so I have faith that everyone who's working on this, and if they do bring in Mojo, again, this is just us purely speculating, but if they do bring in Mojo, I want the fucking X babies. You have to do the X babies. So we move to number nine before we. No, because I'm nine. not done. No, because I'm not done with what else I want out of Mojo. This okay, okay. Point what one. else do you want? I think. Um, I think. You, <laughs> we're gonna be, we're gonna like, be on the we're gonna be on the X babies the entire. I'm just mad. Marvel Legends packed up that stupid X baby Wolverine and called it a four pack. Okay, listen, first of all, first of all, rude. Second of all, you know, we were originally supposed to get the X babies in series. Oh, God, which it was a mojo wave 12 of the Marvel Legends Toy Biz series. I'm so sorry. I brought but because, because yeah. oil process, <laughs> oil, because prices oil processing were- and the stock markets were down. So we didn't get the so X we lost- babies. Yeah. So then like they had to raise the prices from $7.99 to $8.99. And so from production standpoint, we couldn't get the X babies. Fine. I'll move on from the X babies. I want a long shot mini series, the Anna Senti 
I want an adaptation yes. of of that Art Adams and Nesenti miniseries. I, I want a straight adaptation, hint at Spiral, her role in Longshot's past, who she was, and her future. It would absolutely love that. We're big fans of that. that and I think you made the good point on your last episode, which is, you know, Disney can just do a spinoff and it doesn't have to be a full series. Like it'd be great if there was, you know, an episode in Mojoverse, something happened, it's not completely resolved and then whoop, do an hour special, right? And then you can have a different tone. You can have the different characters focus on um, Dazzler and Longshot. You know, Dazzler's probably going to win the vote. So it'd be a great timing to, well, I mean, I don't think they'd produce it that quickly, but in an ideal world, they could produce it really fast, have it released when, um, when she's, you know, at her high. And then the final, the final thing I would want for out of a Mojo story is Spiral versus Psylocke. Now, I don't know how they would do Spiral versus Psylocke, especially given everything with Betsy being back in her original body. And we kind of already saw that version of her already in the animated series. But let's see. I In them, I trust. But I think if you're going to do a Mojo story and Spiral's there, give us Spiral versus Psylocke. We're sneaking Spiral in the list through Mojo. There, there you go. go. Exactly. Exactly. A loophole. Okay, I'm done talking about Mojo. You can take us to number nine. Okay, number nine is a swap out because we just <laughs> added Hammies in to replace. Oh, no, the hold on. List. There we go. No, we're, we're done. No. Straight into the deep end, Mike. No, 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 no. But I didn't choose who got replaced. I just want to say that. That's true. That's true. We did. I was like, I was like, thank God someone gave a new character here. Let's omit this one. Yeah. Um, would you like to reveal it? It is everyone's favorite ginger, Arcade. Yeah, this, this is, I can't believe we didn't think of this one. No, I when Hami said it, I was like, yeah, that's much better than somebody I put on my list. So absolutely swap out. We swapped oh. out Omega Red, by the way. So if any Omega Red fans out there, take on bridge. I'm, I'm kind of glad that we did because I didn't really know what to say about Omega Red. Because again, Omega Red is one of those big iconic characters, but he's already gotten his dues, in my opinion, on the X-Men animate series. And if you're going to bring him in, that's great. But I would like to see their. So for me, it was really a very selfish way of ensuring Colossus came back into the into mm. the show. So that's why I put mm. him on the list. But Arcade is a better choice. So why don't we're you... not going to touch Russia in this X Men <laughs> series? We ain't doing it. Not this time, Mama. Sorry. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm curious what kind of I I want them to do like a murder world epic you know yeah. episode just can't be over the top same like with mojo you know what you're getting into you don't need to put any it doesn't need to be anything more than it already is and i'm actually shocked given his popularity especially with the video games during that era that arcade did not appear in the in the animated series i, I believe he was in x-men evolution but he was not in in the x-men animated series proper i just think it's same thing with Mojo, honestly, it's kind of similar, like it would just create a really good one off episode that I think would be an incredible place to send fans into this like world of nostalgia. Like we could get the X-Men in the arcade cabinet, like in the X-Men arcade cabinet that we're so used to have four characters, have them have to kind of like go through there or just an episode where it's just a bunch of dumb games that they have to play to to save whoever, probably Storm, and then maybe <laughs> Dr. Doom is there. <clears throat> uh, like that incredible story where Arcade... What is is Arcade captures Storm, right? I believe Arcade captures Storm. So Just Dr. Doom and Arcade teaming up. 
Um, I mean, I'd be here for it. I mean, yeah. anybody no, knows it's, the- it's that iconic cover of Storm being held by Doctor Doom, and it's Uncanny X Men One Forty. Yeah. Okay. Thank God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's Uncanny X Men One Forty Five, which, by the way, was recently homage to because Storm and Doom have a dinner in that in that issue, and it was homaged in X Men Red. Listen, so we've spoken with the Lee Waltz at nauseum about this Storm needs plots <laughs> in, yeah. in in the X-Men anime series. Th- that is their biggest regret. And I would say if you look at editorial, like the actual comics during the time, Storm does not have a lot. She she has a presence, but in terms of like defining stories for her, not not too much. And we know that in the movies, you know, they, she didn't really have a major role in the way we wanted to. So give Storm as many plots as possible. I would love to see the uh, ad- adaptation of 145 as well as, you know, her and and Forge in that story. I was going to say yes. Do you, you know yeah. what you also want? She better have some over-the-top lines when she, like, you know, flies okay. up, starts climbing down the lightning and just goes on a monologue. I hope stuff like that. Here's my my fear on stuff like Storm's over-the-top monologues and Beast quoting like Shakespeare and stuff like that. Is it emblematic of a time and a place of how narratives were were said? How do how do you translate that into modern television? Not pay respect to it, but don't also yeah. make the show feel antiquated. They, I am not envious of the X Men '97 team, but so far so good. Everything we've seen and heard has been good, but you know, fingers crossed. But she does need to be over the top. I mean, we need to get her say, I will meet you at your Uber, you know, something like that, (laughs) whatever. I mean, she can't say that because you see, that's why I couldn't be a writer because that's it. I would put in that line and it would be cringe, but we do need her to be. And speaking of that, do we know, is it like literal nineties or is it going to be like this, like floaty timeline where it's like, I don't know. They may have iPhones. You don't know what gen it is, but they might have them. We are not going to see an iPhone. You don't call it X Men '97 and have everyone have iPhones. I hope to go. Well, I hope it's they can get away with it. '90s. Well, they already had FaceTime on the show. They they already had FaceTime. Like they've had the technology we have already. So it, it could be yeah, yeah. Fabulous. But I meant more like you know more recent references um, to like iPhones and stuff like that. I you know, I like you know, like the um the Sex and the City sequel where like the first episode they're like dropping as many things to show that they know that it's 2022 as as possible. Oh, it's cringe. And Miranda's like, what's Instagram? I'm like, bitch, if anyone would know what Instagram and podcasting is, it would be Miranda. Miranda would be all up on the Vulture podcast or the New Yorker podcast and sending it to the girls. But stay tuned for our Sex and the City podcast coming up. Spin off. (laughs) X in the City. X in the City. But I, I think arcade well that was really good <laughs> i did four uh, minutes later we just need a fourth though oh that's ian it's slayer fest 100 but then who's who i don't know i'm miranda are you miranda really yeah yeah no <laughs> what do you i mean dayspring is? is definitely carrie i am self-destructive oh God, i'm an alcoholic and self-destructive yes who are you clearly charlotte you're charlotte nice and sweet and keeping so- you all together so the that would make Ian Samantha. Yeah, that actually tracks. I no, think tracks. we figured it out. Yeah, <laughs> no, that works. Ian, you're Samantha. You're coming on. We're doing that. Oh when we were brainstorming what we wanted to do, like a collab a couple months ago, Hammy, we should have said with with Ian, we should have said we'll do a Sex and the City rewatch. I don't think that came up. Well, no. there you go. We're launching it here. It'll okay. it'll be birthed from this episode. But arcade. 
Yes. I think clearly a plethora of stories. You can bring in Spider-Man. You can bring in other Doctor Doom, other people from the from the Marvel universe. And I wonder if they're going to do a built up, like if they're going to assemble a universe in the same way they they did with the MCU. I wonder if some of the other series like Iron Man, Hulk, Spider-Man will be officially in canon. I know it's loosely in canon, but officially in canon. All right. Number eight was one of mine. Celine. So the Black Queen, I think, again, probably not one. Well, it depends, I guess. If, no, I take that back. It's going to be like an episode of the week if she shows up. But I think tonally, she's very different than a lot of the other villains. Um, she's a lot darker. Uh, you could do a, more of like a scary episode. She's got great powers. She's just very cool and doesn't get enough love. She does not. It's so funny. Flink and I were together this weekend at 90s con and we were obsessing about shannon doherty and for me the clear choice of shannon doherty in the mcu would be celine or the fox x-men she would be a perfect celine so i've i've been thinking about celine a lot these last few days i, I think she would be wonderful given that if emma is training the hellions or being an antagonist to the new mutants you can bring in celine easily there and Sean, you know, one of her more defining stories, it comes later. It's in the mid-aughts, but Necrotia. I mean, that would be yeah. fun if they did Necrotia. You need more dead X-Men, unfortunately, <laughs> in order for I'd... the story to have impact. But I would love to have Celine officially in the universe. So by season seven, we can do Necrotia, something like that. Well, you know, it would be awesome. And this is really far out there. You know, there's like, there was a series or a, a storyline where the like the Hyborian age, Hypor Hyborian is that how they said, like gets teleported to the modern day, or um, and like Conan's there. I'm pretty sure and they could do a really cool crossover. She's been around for oh. ages and ages, right? Her history, she's, so like, yeah, um, she's, she's the oldest living yeah. human mutant. Well, According to me and not the Wikipedia article I just read. <laughs> yeah, well, so you have so right, you have three ancient mutants right or like first mutants it's apocalypse and sabanor yeah selene and namor or no amod so you no know I, I i would love a a history lesson on the x-men well there's and, definitely and like namor's definitely not like as old as selene or apocalypse. no definitely not but it's I, I think it always kind of goes back that like Namor is officially designated the first mutant. Yeah. So the way I kind of always took it was publicly Namor is acknowledged as the first mutant, like, but he's not technically you have Insapanor and yeah. Celine. And I think if I remember Necrotia, Celine predates Apocalypse. It's not mentioned there, but the way she sort of described her birth and, and her tribe, I don't know. You know, it, it's not for us to answer, it's for them to answer. <laughs> But I think Celine is a rich character. I think to your point, Latvian lad, there's so much that you could bring to the series with a character like Celine. She was wasted in Wolverine and the X-Men. Absolutely wasted. And she adds like she's got magic too. So it adds like a different element, different storylines that you could do there. So let's hope we I mean, I'm not holding my breath. I don't think of all the lists, her showing up is probably not one of the the ones that we're gonna see. Have I think we'll get a cameo. Thing? I think we'll get a cameo. I think we'll get like an Emma Hellfire backstory moment. And I think she'll be there. But I yeah. don't know if she'll be 
I'm going to agree with role. you on that, Hemi. I think she is going to be Emma's antagonist. It, 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 oh, let, cool. Let's assume she you does think? get a big role. She will be Emma's antagonist and sort of fill in that Emma Hellfire role after Emma's long gone. You know, and she starts transitioning to, you know, the side of good. It depends. I, listen, I, I, do I think? No, I don't think Celine, we're going to get a great Celine subplot. But if if Celine <laughs> is going to be on the show, yeah. this is how I, I would put her at odds with Emma. I would have her, Shaw, and the rest of the Hellfire Club questioning Emma as Emma starts turning a new leaf. And they're sort of the ones, kind of like how they did in Wolverine and the X-Men. See, I'd avoid her in the Hellfire, and I would take more of like that fantasy side and have her like doing magic, raising zombies, and just do a wacky, more like fantasy esque episode. Fair enough. Fair enough. All here for those one offs. Well, the there's, only there's so many one offs that we're not actually gonna have a over <laughs> no plot. plot, no, no plot. plot, yeah. I, the only thing I would want, if if this was just perfect fantasy taking out my brain, I would love a recreation of Celine and Nate, that iconic cover of, of X-Men where Nate is kind of laying down with his legs open and Celine is behind him grabbing his chest. I think that is probably my favorite Celine image out there. So, But I don't think that's going to happen at all. At all. Not a chance. All right, number seven. I can't believe we're only on number seven. That we're burning babies. Exodus. Yes, hundred percent. I agree. If, if they, I'm going to make a second slime at the back of my slime <laughs> for Emma. I'm going to spin it, and then there's going to be my. Why didn't you put Exodus in the series if he doesn't show up? What do you guys want out of this character in this show? I need him to be really well positioned. He also is an ancient mutant. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there you go. He's he's part of that that club with and Sabanor, Celine, and and no more. No more. Here's the thing. He you can do whatever you want with him. We can start running wild with him, and you can lean into the religious aspects of the character, but he needs to be one of Magneto's acolytes. You have to do the acolyte story for him. It is just basic setup for him and adapt those asteroid m stories from the early 90s that that i know they've already done asteroid m in the in the series i'm assuming they'll pick up that thread that's where i would have him maybe magneto has been experienced an exodus from from asteroid m and mutant society and and we have we have exodus on 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 the planet or the asteroid i mean your thumbs down do you want to take it no, no, I, I, I think, I think, I agree. I just don't know if, like Dayspring, you were saying, like people who are working on the show need to love X Men, and I think the people who love X Men would agree with you on this. Um, and, and I know a little bit about Exodius, mostly from like I don't know, like I, I know him from the House of X that I'm reading now. Uh, but mostly through just like reading articles and hearing um, you and Nerd Alert talk about him oh, a lot. Nerd Alert loves him, and so does Planet um, X Men. Shout out to Planet X Men. Wait, did you call him Exodius? I did. Oh my god, I love that you called him. Is I, I, was gonna, I was, I was nice if they let it slide. I wasn't going to call him out on it, and you Exodus. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. Listen, I have I have my own pronunciations for the but Exodius actually sounds so cool. 
I really like that. <laughs> the um, I just don't know if, if they'll go that hard into stuff like that. I mean, it's kind of, I know it's a fun a fun list we're we're building here, uh, but I just man oh man, I don't know if they'll lean that deep into lore. Well, because yeah. well, no, they already did it with Fabian Cortez, and we know at the end of the series, Fabian Cortez is like the new vessel for Apocalypse. So Magneto needs a crazy acolyte at his at his side. So I guess I don't depends. I don't know if it, it depends on what they're gonna do. That that's just yeah. So I I I, I don't think I'd want to see the the like uh, asteroid M acolyte storyline. They've kind of done it and. For them to do that, they'd need to do it properly, and that would almost need to be the overarching story, which I hope they don't do. I think the best thing they could do with him is have him wake up from his you know super long slumber. You know, one of those tropes where he doesn't quite get what's going on. Um, villain for an episode or two, he's super super powerful, so you know you can take on a whole bunch of them, and then have a bit of a redemption arc for him, and then turn him into a bit of an anti-hero that they can bring in for future episodes as a heavy hitter when they need, you know, an ally that's not going to appear in every episode. I, I like the idea of him waking up in the modern world, like kind of like a Lestat from like yeah. interview with the vampire. I don't dislike that approach at all. And I think if the character has gained so much traction in the Krakoan age because of his messianic approach, to to Krakoa and everything. So I I want to say I do not disagree with you guys at all on that. But I think if it is X-Men 97, if we already have, you know, the a- Asteroid M in place as a plot, I don't think it needs to be an overarching plot, but I think that is likely where they're going to put him, given their past with that on the animated show. Give me him, Lestat, waking up to like the sound of like Gene fainting. He's here, like, good God, what's wrong with units here? This girl, and and him sort of discovering this new world and what it means to be a mutant, and and maybe he has that. Maybe him and Nightcrawler like team up because they both have those religious qualities to them. I don't know, but regardless, I think Exodius is definitely going to be in the series. They would be foolish not to do Exodus. All right. <laughs> So number, so number six is Holocaust, although he's probably rebranded as Nemesis mm-hmm. now. He was rebranded as Nemesis, you know, during the Ninja Wave Toy Biz line. Here we go again. In in, mm-hmm. in canon, his, his original name is Nemesis as well. So, but Holocaust, Apocalypse's son, what do you, I have a lot to say on this. So you guys can go. <laughs> Okay, so I put him on the list. Let's rebrand him Nemesis. I'm pretty sure that's what they will do if they include him. Now, I'm going to pitch end of season two. He appears as some sort of break in the multiverse to set up the Age of Apocalypse as like a herald for the Age of Apocalypse. And so they shift a little bit of how they're going to get into the Age of Apocalypse by having him appear before the whole like psycho, was it the Mquan crystal that kind of made them all go to the Age of Apocalypse? No, bitch. Legion no. kills Xavier. No. I don't remember. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? Wow, you're now? so fucking stupid. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so much. You are terrible. No, 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 no. So the Emkron crystal plays a large role in Age of Apocalypse. And 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 that's sort of like the focal point to get reality back towards. Yes, that. okay. So that's what I'm thinking of. Originally, with the Age of Apocalypse, what happens is Legion travels back in the past, 
wants to kill Magneto accidentally kills Xavier. And that's what causes the age of apocalypse. They did a version of that in the X-Men animated series called one man's worth. And in that episode, Xavier dies in the past. It's their own adaptation. Well, it's not even their own adaptation of age of apocalypse. They were the, the Lee Waltz were the ones who came up with age of apocalypse first editorially with this. It, it, it's based off of it's a wonderful life and how the universe would look without Xavier there. Marvel editorial loved that concept when they went in to go pitch season three, four, and five for the X-Men animated series, and they brought that to the comic book. So that's how we got Age of Apocalypse there. So I think they could do a proper Age of Apocalypse, and I agree with you. I think Holocaust will be a herald for that. And he already did appear in One Man's Worth because of the lead time with animation they were able to feed character designs to series director Larry Houston. So Larry Houston, who is a cameo queen, made sure he had Holocaust slash nemesis in the background of some of those one man worth shots. So that's why you get some of the more comic accurate looking characters from Age of Apocalypse and among them nemesis. I think he looks so fucking cool and I loved him in Age of Apocalypse. And I, this is the first one I'm like a hundred percent on board for. I would just love to see him. I'd love to see him animated. I'd love to see him in the new style. I'd love to see him kick ass wherever you want to put him. You want to put him in a season two? That's fine. You want to put him episode one? Why not? Let's do a flashback. <laughs> Let's get this shit started. Well, and, and you can always just also, he exists in the 616 canon as Apocalypse's son. I, it was either I didn't know. Doesn't he exist because he's one of the only characters from Age of Apocalypse that made it back to the 616? So so wait, wait. Yeah, yeah. So it gets a little complicated here. Yeah. So his him and Nate fight at like the the yeah. cusp of the end of the world for Age of Apocalypse and they're transported. Him and Nate are transported. But he uh, stabs him with the Emcon crystal, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. See, yeah, all right. Yeah. No, no, you got mental. it. Yeah. Yes. After that fight, Holocaust from the Age of Apocalypse exists in the 616 universe. But also, Apocalypse in 616 gets together with famine or pestilence, I'm forgetting which one, and has a child, and it is 616 Holocaust. So there are, in theory, two versions of Holocaust in 616. The Age of Apocalypse version and the the actual version of himself that was born in that planet, in that universe. Okay, well, I want, the, I want the Age of Apocalypse one. <laughs> yes, with Nate. Yeah. With Nate. With Nate. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I've said it before. I don't think they're going to do Age of Apocalypse just yet. But I think Age of Apocalypse will come later down the line. A, a very proper Age yeah, of Apocalypse. Do season three. Do the entire season as Age of Apocalypse. And it's funny because we were, so with the, the Leewalds were at 90s Con and we were talking about Age of Apocalypse and One Man's Worth and, and that story just said, but they said for them what was so incredibly important or for their version, for, for One Man's Worth was to show this world without Xavier and how terrible it was. But the main, the central conflict in it is that Storm and Wolverine are in love. They're married and they are soulmates. And in order to put the universe back together, they have to sacrifice their love. And they're like, yeah, this world sucks, but we are in love. And so that is their journey. That's why at the end, they they kind of look at each other and they're like, you know, we're not with, with this kid, Xavier alive, we're not even supposed to exist. And they hug each other and they each turn off their time bracelets and they erase their love. It That is so beautiful. And I would love for them to bring that element to their adaptation of Age of Apocalypse. I say they, but... They're consultants, but Bo DeMaio, the team, and the Leewalds sort of give that foundation for Age of Apocalypse. What's te- uh, 
listening to your last podcast, you talked about how, uh, well, when you were talking about the X-Men panel on your pod, God, your podcast is more confusing than the actual X-Men. <laughs> um, Bo was saying that, you were saying that, Bo was saying that Kevin Feige was involved, which makes me question, like, so is what happens in this X universe canon to what's going to happen in the future? I don't think so. I, franchises. I, Kevin Feige was involved in like that. A what if? Of... Bo had to pitch Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios. I guess everything now is under Kevin Feige's umbrella. Oh, okay. I, I think I think it's safe to say the animation animated series will be its completely own. separate. Yeah, completely separate. But I I think Feige is probably gearing up for control of the X-Men. You know, we've seen him. We saw him at the Hellfire Gala in 2021. We know Deadpool 3 is coming. X-Men animated is coming. So I think I think the reason why we have the the subtitle 97 is because we'll also get another version of an X-Men cartoon that may be MCU focused, just in the same vein that What If was or whatever other animated projects are doing. But anyways, so yeah, so we all agree we want to see Holocaust. So number five was top of my list, the one that Dayspring was going to remove. Dakin. <laughs> so why Dakin? All right, so one, this this you'd have to get him in through like a loose timeline, right? We have to assume it's not. Oh, we love or... a loose timeline yeah. here in this family. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love how everyone's ears perked up when we were talking about Dakin yeah. and loose timelines. Mm-hmm. But think of like the storylines then that you could do. You were you were saying like what do you want? Oh, to I am. Bring... Yeah. There's... <laughs> Sorry. Wait, what, what are what are they, Mike? What are they? Uh very family friendly stories about love and companionship. That's exactly where I was. That's that's where I was going. Love, family, companionship. I think it's a great um it's a great plot for Wolverine to have something that's not him pining over Gene uh, or having a sidekick. Uh, it could show the more human side of him. Um, he, I mean, he's a great villain. He's a great representation for stuff that you could do in 2023 that you probably couldn't do back in the 90s. Uh, so I would love for them to do a slippery timeline um, and, yeah, and include Dakin in the list. I'm going to assume that Iceman is probably going to appear in this and they'll hopefully address his LGBTQIA plus identity. And I just think of Dakin and that iconic scene from Cena Grace's run where they yeah. do like a tango. I would love if, however, we get Dakin or they, they, they say in too. I, I, there's Is different that? pronunciation for the, I don't know. I say Dakin. I'm wrong. I, I know for a fact I'm wrong when I say Dakin, but I would just love an adaptation of that iconic tango they do in Cena Grace's Iceman run. I just want the Dakin you got in. Um, do you remember like Dark Avengers? Oh yeah, when he's just like such a tease to everybody, and like you know, just very the bad version of Gambit. You know what I mean? I'm I'm gonna tell you that people are gonna slide into my DMs now. I do not want him anywhere near Aurora. <laughs> I do not. I do not stand him and Aurora. I. I don't know. For me, the couple just doesn't work, but I want exactly kind of what you said, like Dakin in his dark Wolverine outfit, who's like the ultimate fuck boy fucking with everyone at the mansion. He's fucking with Iceman. He's fucking with Rogue. He's, he's just, he's just pure chaos coming through, coming through the mansion. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I think Laverian Lad, you kind of nailed it. I think it would be a great character to involve for Wolverine to give him something different than what I think. Obviously, he's had a lot of really great stories in the comics, but people who are only familiar with the films or the cartoon show and the longing after Gene and, you know, something to distract him, something to get him away from that plot point. I think this would be a great way to do it. And plus, he's a great character and i would love to see him in there and some representation would be lovely and you know also there's so much that you can mine from that thinking of spinoffs and stuff like that you have wolverine dakin laura honey badger you have the wolverine family right there you know that's basically our version of the bat family and i i would love it i would love an episode with laura wolverine wolverine and, and Dakin, all three of them have had that mantle at one point. Let's see them kind of blow shit up. Let's get Honey Badger in there for comedic relief. I think it could be really fun and really well done. I don't think he'll be a season one, but I definitely think season three, season four, stuff like that. Let's hope he was top of my list. So I am. That's why he's at number five, right? Because he was the top <laughs> of your list. Well, he's at number five because I'm just a gracious friend to Dayspring so and said true. that your, so you know, his people could go. For, it's his podcast, right? So he's going to put his people at the top. You, Honestly, no. you gave me one too, which was very kind of you. You let okay. one of yours slide for me. Blinkman's ears are burning right now. Scott's ears, Michelle's, everyone's ears are burning because I have always been such a gracious person and been like, okay, you want that person as number one? Great. Even though you're wrong, I'll let you have it. No, but me and fucking Blinkman had a divorce over placement on a list. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, see, that's why, that's why I let you. I told you, you you could put wherever you want. You just told me I could do it. You're just I I had one request and that was for our number one spot. The rest you said just do it. And yeah. yes. This is this is me just gaslighting him. And yes, I did and yes, I did put yours towards the end. <laughs> <laughs> and then tried to knock off Dakin to, to include was it Arcade. Arcade. Yeah, arcade. Include arcade. That's yeah. not my fault. That's Hammy's fault. Why are you turning that- on me? It's I was Hammy's offended. Fault. I would have taken I would have gotten rid of one of the top five, if I'm being honest. Sean, if you're not realizing what's happening now, Dakin is here on the That's Zoom it. right now. It's it's <laughs> fucking Hammy. Hammy is a Dakin, a power of X-Men. The fucking He's Canadian just bisexual fuck monster trying to fuck everyone over. <laughs> um, listen, the next is one that, that that's going to gonna say, be on your epitaph when you die. <laughs> I hope. That's my Canadian new Instagram bio. monster trying to fuck everybody over. Yep. Oh my god. Oh god. Anyway. And okay. on that, number four. Hammy, why don't you introduce number four? Oh, I'm so glad because this is uh, my favorite X character <laughs> ever that I know about. And his name is Executioner. <laughs> and let me tell you a little bit about this guy. Wow. Amazing. I love his story. What's that say? Technological weaponry. Uh, and uh, uh, what else? Is this is the second paragraph spectrum? from the Wikipedia that I just yeah. read myself right yeah. before the call? Yeah. What is wrong with you? People, Executioner, an iconic 90s villain, and he plays a major role in, wait for it, Executioner song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just, he- I think it's a fair choice. I just can't believe it's on this list, and I can't believe it's number four. That's, ahead- that's all. That's all ahead, of, ahead of Dakin. Ahead of Dakin. Listen, I think 
we're going to be doing some of those 90s villains. Executioner is going to be on it. He was so prolific during the 90s. He even has a run in with Nate while Nate is on the run with Rogue. I don't think they'll adapt that story anytime soon, but I think they're going to be setting up the legacy virus executioner song. He is the one who assassinates Xavier. He has a plethora of weaponry at his disposal. And I think visually that can be really cool and it can be really fun. He is an obscure character. There, there is no doubt about it. He's one of those characters that not many people have heard of. I didn't expect many people to know about him, but I think if you're going to be doing those 90s stories, we are going to get Executioner in it. I, I, I would be a betting man on this one. I, I mean, as much as I agree with Hami that I don't really know a ton about him, having read the Wikipedia before before this call, I could <laughs> see that. Wikipedia because, say, let me see this. Um, I oh, do think there's it, no Wikipedia, by the way. Like the actual oh, yeah. Wikipedia does not have an article for this character. They have an article <laughs> for every other character. Yeah, I mean, listen. In fairness, he. I, I can't that X-Man issue is the last time I remember he was he was in the series. I think Flink and I, before our divorce, tried to do a deep dive on him. He may have appeared elsewhere, but were you saying but you could see time? how like a character like that that is kind of um about hunting mutants, very sentinel adjacent, like you could see how that easily slots into a storyline, right? And as a recurring villain that that pops in and out throughout the the overarching plot, especially if he's allied, let's say, with Sinister or whoever. Um, you know, they change it up a little bit, but you well, can see, you can see how that type of character trope is really easy to to, to slide into the plot. And if they have, let's assume again that Emma's going to play a major role here. Something's going to happen to the Hellions, or she's going to have to do that journey. She has a storyline with 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 Executioner. Forgetting what issue he tries to break was. into the mansion and kill her while she's in a coma. There you go. It, what, what issue is it? Can you? Does it say it on the Wikipedia page? I remember the cover. I think that's not from the Wikipedia page. That's from his brain. <laughs> <laughs> Thank I you, Hami. Yeah, Uncanny X Men three eleven three ten. I think it's three ten. It, it, it's a cover with um. Let's Google it here. But it's a cover with him with him being blasted by Cable and Scott. Yeah, it's hang on. Yes, three ten, and. If you have you, you can have that as a one-off episode. He, he would fit perfectly in there, and at the end, he like hits up strife. He hits up sinister whoever, and we get a hint at what's to come with the legacy virus. And by the way, you want the legacy virus, and you want this character here because it's going to guarantee who 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 is one of the most famous X characters that died in the nineties from the legacy virus. Colossus. No, he died trying to save from the the, oh, the, the storyline. The storyline, exactly. But um, Ileana, Ileana yeah. dies, and you can do that exactly what you just said. Colossus will come in, grieve. He may become an acolyte with Exodius, <laughs> and and then come back to the side of good, and then try to help find the cure for the legacy virus and dies. You know what I mean? Like that is a really great plot for the character. So Exodus can be a conduit for all of that and Executioner song. So. I want Executioner there. Yep, he's the only one that can do that. No other characters on this list will be involved in Executioner's song at all. Number three, <laughs> Onslaught. Woo! I I would like to say that this was my number one. Um, when Lavarian Lad messaged me and said that this is what you guys were planning on doing, that was kind of the first thing my head went to. And I think why that's so important is because whether you're a hardcore fan, whether you're a moderate fan, 
this is a character you know of, no matter how much research you've done in it. It's a very 90s energy to be like, these two characters, but they're like one and they're a big like monster and they're scary and spooky. And I think if we're bringing kids into this show, that's just a character that visually I think they will fall in love with and just think is so cool. It's so, I guess the word's toyetic, like kids will see it and just be obsessed with it. And I think that that character is one that resonates with me so much because like just seeing it, I was like, this is the coolest thing that's ever happened. And I think, Dayspring, are you the one who has the, no, Nerd Alert has the great story about seeing Onslaught just on a poster and never reading a comic and being like, I'm going to read every issue of this comic. Nerd Alert loves those big monstrous type characters. And he was, it's his story to to reiterate, but I believe he said on the podcast, he was driving as a kid and baby Nerd Alert like pokes his head out the window and sees Onslaught there in the, uh, well, he wouldn't be a kid because Onslaught was in 96, but he sees like the, <laughs> he was already old enough to drink. Just joking, Jason. <laughs> He was stumbling home from a WeHo club. (laughs) (laughs) No, he he was a kid. He he was driving past a comic book store. He saw the Onslaught poster, stand-up, whatever, and he immediately fell in love with that costume and that look. And that's sort of what was his his thread, his passion for for comics. That's where it began. And I have to agree with him that the mid-90s when Onslaught came out was a vibe. The story was not well received at the time. You had to be a certain kind of reader to overlook its many flaws. I love it. Onslaught for me makes perfect sense for a show called X-Men 97. There's so much you can sort of like stream into it. I mean, Xavier needs to be back on Earth in order for this to work. So we do, they are going to have to properly set up Onslaught, but it's why Bishop is there. He's trying to solve what's going on with the X-Trader. You have all of these people coming to the mansion. And what better way to start, you know, start a lot of turmoil than the founder of the X-Men, who you've been waiting for his second coming, his return, and he turns out to be an asshole. You know, he turns out to be, this is their five-parter. This is their Dark Phoenix saga. This is their Beyond Good of Evil. They can do. The only thing, and I was thinking about this just now, they're going to have to, the, the entire premise, and again, they'll do their own adaptation, but just thinking about this on the face value, Fatal Attractions is where Onslaught is born when Xavier shuts down Magneto's head, and that's sort of where Onslaught comes out of it. So will they do Fatal Attractions, a version of Fatal Attractions? I don't know. So you could see, okay, I'm going to pitch two, elevator pitch. Xavier comes back, Magneto was helping run the X-Men, he's doing bit of a shady Magneto way of doing it that Xavier doesn't agree. You do a very quick version of that where they disagree, Xavier shuts him down. Season three, we don't get Age of Apocalypse, we get Onslaught instead. I love that. I'm 100% sold on it. There's no do Onslaught. Do it right. Take your time with it. Tell the story. We need someone like the Lee Walds and Bo to streamline the story. It is a messy story. I reread it a couple of years ago as an adult before we did Power of X-Men. It was a summer. And it took me all summer to get through everything. And there is a lot on it. But a lot does happen. And it's a lot of stuff that did shape comics at the time. And there are still some, uh, some after effects from it. But give us an episode starting off with Gene doing that distress call. And I'm 100% in on it. In fact, if they even show Bishop kind of playing memories in his head and he sees some images from that onslaught distress call that Gene does... 
give it. I won't one hundred percent love it. And Tommy's point, I think, like, is there a toy of him other than the 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 build a figure? Yeah, there's. So we have two build a figures, right? Three. So we have we, we yeah wait no we have yeah no we have there's two. that weird skull toy biz one where he's like a beetle. So yeah, and... we have the toy biz one. Then we have the build a figure. Um, because there are legends of him that wasn't where he had to collect all the different ones to put him together. No. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. So we have the Toy Biz one, the five inch Toy Biz series one. And then for the oh. legends, we have the Toy Biz build a figure where he's kind of like the, the second yeah. phase, phase two. And then the third one was Red Onslaught. But when they brought back the X-Men wave, they gave you an alternate head for Onslaught. And so you can swap out uh, Red Onslaught for Onslaught proper. So you have right. your 90s Onslaught. So okay. only three figures exist of him. Sorry, I know I, I muddled that, but I... It, my brain was working. But I think commercially, like Hami made a good point, like visually, he's just a very chunky, cool figure for toys, right? And you can see how they can make a lot of merchandise and stuff around that. So I think of all people on the list, uh, if I was a betting man on which ones we'll probably definitely see within the first three seasons, I think Onslaught is going to show up. I would just want it to be the proper Onslaught you know, the story. And by the way, actually, technically, we would have four because there was another variant of the <clears throat> onslaught. Sorry, I know I'm <laughs> four onslaught figures. I'm sorry. I I, I would want Nate. The, the, he needed Nate for the for the series. He needed Franklin. The Fantastic Four needed to get involved. That's why I think onslaught would be great as like the Thanos of the the animated Marvel universe. I I would really love that they do that. It, Again, I wouldn't say this was on the table had it not been called X Men '97. Shall we sorry. move to? <laughs> I loved it. No, I, that, yes, that, yes, that we can good. move on. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, what? Who is number two? Number two is Strife. Yes, I. Yeah, they have to yeah. be Strife. Yeah, Come they on. have to. Yeah. At this, there's point, no way they won't. Yeah. I don't know how they'll introduce Strife. Maybe via Executioner song. Maybe he's just one of those villains, and you know, at the end he'll take off his big old helmet and he'll be there. But you're doing the '90s. You got to do Strife. There's visually toy kinetic, you know, vibes. Strife. Yeah. And Strife's having a minute too. He just had. He's having this Marvel Legends re-released. <laughs> That's his minute. That's, That's his, his minute. minute. <laughs> and and Nerd Alert's doing him for WonderCon, isn't he? Oh my god! Yes. And, he, and he's that, also yeah. with the legacy that, virus. That's the minute. I I think that this, out of everyone we said, I think this one has the closest opportunity of actually happening. Um, and I think I think it wouldn't be too difficult. I one thing I feel like with all of the characters we're talking about and all of the stories we're talking about is that. I trust the creative team to retell these complicated comic book stories in a way where even if they change some major things, I really believe that they will be good and they will be told in a way that we can separate from the comics and just say, well, this is their version of telling that story. Um, so I think we can do something like Executioner Song and I think it can be something that is told succinctly and getting... Um, Strife in there, I think we don't need to dabble in the details. You could just be like, this is a clone of Cable who exists. And there you go. 
right? And we can slowly learn more about him later, maybe. Like, we we didn't know what Cable's deal was when Cable showed up. Like, I remember watching that show and being like, who the fuck is this guy? And why he got a cool eye. So <laughs> I think you'd just be like, who's this silvery spiky dude? And for the, those of us who know, we know. And we just wait for that reveal, even if we know. I don't know. I don't know. No? Have I said that? I, no I, I, I think I was going to say I completely agree with you in terms of, like, they can just do it in a, a new way to introduce him. And you can see if Sinister is the villain for season one, you just have some sort of like, you know, he's got the genes from Cable or, right. or from Cyclops and Gene and actually just makes a clone from them. And then at the end of season one, it's kind of like this buildup of like Sinister's got this plan throughout season one. And then ooh, the planets he's created, Strife, who appears in season two. And then it kicks off Executioner's Song with the two right. of them. That actually, that that's a great point. Like, if the genetic material he stole from Scott and Jean on their honeymoon, he used that to create his own, you know, perfect mutant child, and it's strife, but simultaneously Jean and Cyclops have had a baby, and whether it's Rachel or Cable, and you can put them at odds. I'm going to say it's Cable, because we know Cable is confirmed to be on the show. So, you know, I would love to see sort of that convoluted, messy storyline told through the lens of x-men you know 97 i think he he could be if he made madeline he also made strife and there you you've streamlined a very complicated story i don't think we'll get the escani story i hope we do but i don't think we do we will just and if you're going to do a scott if you're going to do a scani you had to bring in rachel I, it's too simple. dark man i don't i mean even if you kidify it there's still so much like especially with strife like that man does some nasty things and so, I don't. Yeah. I mean, he does such nasty, nasty things, but one of the things I am going to say though, we had the Lee Waltz on last year when X-Men 97 was announced. And they said, one of the things that brought them to the series was that there were no network regulations like Fox that we had to appease a child audience that they are very well aware that the, the series has endured because of adult fans. So you know, let's see if they're to what degree are we going to be able to see what kind of stories, mature stories we're going to get, especially if it's on Disney Plus, because they're going to want to capture that younger audience. But I have faith that they can tell more sophisticated stories and write up to children, which has been the Lee Waltz, Margaret Lesh, all of their mantras. Yeah. You don't write down to you don't kidify a story. You write up to the kids. And that's why the X-Men series has endured so well. So. Fingers crossed. He was in Beyond Good and Evil. He was in the background of Beyond Good and Evil. So Strife has already, he does exist in the X-Men animated universe. I'm excited think, for number one because I'm just going to sit back and just not say anything. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> is that a jab at me? Can, can any watchers of his podcast have any guess who's made number one on this list? Honest to God. Yes. Number, number one. Number one. I mean, Dayspring, this is yours. Go for it. Madeline fucking Pryor, because one of the first interviews we ever did when we were podcasting was with Larry Houston. And I asked Larry Houston point blank when Jean reads Cable's mind in Time Fugitives, she sees, you know, Cyclops, you know, Nathan and a red haired woman. And who is that? Was that supposed to be her or was it supposed to be Madeline Pryor? And Larry Houston confirmed that was Madeline Pryor. So if you're going to have Cable in the series, you're going to be doing Sinister, and it's called X-Men 97, and there's going to be a lot of influences from the 80s on this as well. You have to do Madeline Pryor. I'm sorry. Madeline Pryor comes in. 
blows shit up in New York, literally unleashes the inferno, mutant, you know, PR is a nightmare, and Sinister wins at being the bad guy. Boom, there. You're welcome. I mean, I'm going su- <laughs> to No, no. I'm going to I will I will support it. And I'll tell you why. Um so you were saying on the other episode you want Havoc to show up. So we're not doing the heroes that we want a cameo, but love Havoc to show up and then have Madeline Park come in and Goblin princeify him for an episode. Oh yeah. And I'm on board. Listen, she hates Cyclops so much. She is gonna get his baby brother and put him in a gimp suit and parade him around New York. <laughs> like City. it's Folsom, Berlin, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I I think No, they're not gonna do that on Disney. I think that's what's going to happen. I, I, I think we're it's going to be a streamlined version of that story. I think because Val Cooper and Forge are there, I think it, and, and X-Factor already exists in this universe. I think Alex Summers is going to be in the series. He's going to have a subplot with Cyclops, Madeline, however she may or may not work into the story. And then that's where you'll get Madeline and, and Havoc. And then you'll get all of New York Inferno. Maybe with the legacy virus as well. I don't know. I mean, it again, this is just wishful thinking. I'm just curious how they're going to be able to do everything. But I I think, again, I'm going to stand by my Strife or Madeline Pryor. We're getting one of those if you're doing the 80s, 90s. There, there's no way, especially with Sinister Ties. So who do you think it's going to be? Put put your money. Is it going to be Strife or is it going to be Maddie? I, I'm, I want to say Maddie. I hope it's Maddie. I, th- that is just pure speculation. I'm hoping it's Maddie. Let's see, let's see where they go with it. I mean, it just depends on on their approach. We know again. I think after how Bo was talking on the X Men 60th anniversary panel, I'm going to say Maddie. And I, but I don't want it to be a situation where Gene has been swapped out and no one notices. I that that would just take me out of the story. I've said that already before. I want maybe. Maddie to be a villain that Sinister creates and she's ready to wreak havoc. Maybe she doesn't have a relationship with Sinister. Maybe she's more focused on unleashing the Inferno, opening up, you know, Limbo. And that's sort of where her story goes, her and Strife. And then she captures havoc along the way, whatever, how, how you boys were saying before, how they're going to streamline that story and, and put their own spin on the lore. I, I'll be here for it as long as it's well done. I feel that way. I feel like if I trust this team to do it. Um, I have no particular interest in seeing her in the show, but what I do love about her is how much people love her and, and the passion for, I know I, this is the, the most Canadian answer. Day spring excluded. Um, you basically just said, bless else. your heart to me, yeah. which Flink one time said, bless your heart. And I was like, you just <laughs> told me to fuck off. <laughs> no, but I mean, like I do love like, there are people who this is one of those characters who people get so passionate about that. I feel like there's enough fandom for her to tell a really good story and not want to let people down. And it's a character that is so convoluted that they would have to carefully craft a story and take the time to do that. And I think that that could pay off more than another character like, like strife. They could just put Strife in there and we'd be like, he's really cool looking and badass yeah. and good at fighting, but they can't really do that with Madeline. So I think if they bring her in, the story would be better yeah. with her. So I, I can get behind the character. I wouldn't be excited 
but I think they would do something amazing with her and I would enjoy that. I, I just hope, you know, Inferno is notorious in the eighties, especially among X-Men stands when Maddie sort of takes his back seat. Cause Gene is back and Cyclops leaves her. I mean, that was a defining moment for Cyclops. Everyone was like, you are an asshole. Like this is mm-hmm. a horrible person. If you want to divorce a character from that baggage, kind of modernize the storytelling, streamline it a little bit. Again, she's just a clone of Jean that was created. Her and Strife are clones that were created, and they're now being let loose. How about that? That's going to be my answer. It's going to be both of them. I think Sinister is going to have a plan A and a plan B, and I think plan A is going to be something like the legacy virus and Strife. And then Maddie will be plan B and Maddie will be like, oh, absolutely not. I'm no one's plan B. And she'll be able to cause her own havoc and we get the Inferno as a result of that. So maybe that's how they'll do it. And we'll have those two plots kind of like coming together in the finale. So season one, excuse me, song, season two Inferno ends in Age of Apocalypse. Mini stories with Arcade and Mojo <laughs> scattered in between. Dakin throughout. Exodius. Um... <laughs> Exodius, Exodius is going to be there. What? (laughs) So so those are our top 10. One of the characters I I was thinking about during yoga because you were texting me, Sean, and I was like, wait, should we add someone else in there? But I don't think this will be fair to add the character on the list would be Morph. And we know Morph Mm. is going to be on there. Morph in the past was antagonistic towards the X-Men, but I think they may struggle with some kind of PTSD, you know, with everything that happened with Dine and Sinister, but I don't think they are going to be antagonistic at all for... for They've kind of already done that plot with him. Like, they don't really need to make him come back and be bad and traumatized. I agree, I agree. They've already done it, so... I'm not sure. But to address, Um, address that, because Morph is on the team. Morph has been revealed to be an X-Men 97. So I don't think where I would think Emma is going to be antagonistic. I don't think Morph is going to be antagonistic. No, I don't think so either. I think Val Cooper will be antagonistic. I think X-Factor Val Cooper will be antagonistic as they were in the original series, but I think they'll have a better relationship. I think it'll be a different kind of antagonizing. You know, it's probably we should have said two right from the beginning. Because people might like have heard the list and go like, "Okay, you've missed some very obvious people." That's we what didn't... that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> As someone who had no part of this. I was like, "What, um, bitch? I didn't put in Dakin." <laughs> no, no, but we, we said we were gonna we weren't gonna put in people that appeared in the the promo image, right? So yeah. we didn't put Emma. We didn't put Sebastian Shaw. Yeah. Um, was Mystique in the promo image? No, Mystique wasn't. But yeah, Mystique, Shaw, Emma. Who else was in there? Val well, it Cooper. felt like you guys weren't putting you guys weren't putting in a lot of the obvious characters that were heavily in the first incarnation. Yeah. Like no Juggernaut, no Sabretooth, no. Yeah, I, I feel because... safe. It's safe to say those characters can and well, will appear. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, I. It's Callisto, new. Yeah. yeah, Callisto's already been there. You know, I I think those those are all obvious characters that we know are there. We're trying to think for this list. We really wanted to think outside of the box and and right. get some of those more obscure 90s characters like executioner right yeah well when i saw the list i was like okay that must be the energy they're going for they just want to show off their cool knowledge and not say saber tooth um, <laughs> but saber tooth it's, it's a hipster with, list so saber tooth can fit in with the marauders I, I i'm here for again I, 
Sinister well, is perfect to destroy the X-Men. If you're telling me the X-Men are having the best goodwill they've ever had, what do you do? You, you hire a hit team to kill the Morlocks. You hire someone to attack New York and you hire someone to unleash a pandemic. Boom. That's it. That sets human mutant relations back to the stone ages. That's it. You're done. It, that is what I will say. Again, I, I'm going to stick by my guns. Executioner song, Marauders, and and Inferno. And whoever, whichever characters appear in there, I think it will be fair game for them or however they want to adapt it. Well, let's see what happens. <laughs> Sorry. All right. What do you guys have coming up? Oh, God. Um, not much going on right now. I just got back from Emerald City Comic Con. Uh, which was incredible. So now I'm taking a bit of a con break because I need to get a lot of work done. Um, But I got a lot of new costumes coming up. Uh, None I really feel comfortable talking about right now until they're at least 40% finished so that I know I'm actually going to do them. Wait, have you you ever done an ex-villain? An ex-villain? No. You have to know. You're going to do it for MCM, right? When you guys fly over. When oh oh you've canonized it <laughs> yeah I've canonized it uh yes no I don't cosplay as villains because I just don't feel I can relate to them because I'm so sweet and kind you're not you're literally just a thank you for the first time earnestly to me today <laughs> you're such a shady cunt no oh god <laughs> hoping to get to uh, New York Comic Con maybe uh, probably San Diego Comic Con. Um, fun stuff. Yeah, all that good stuff. Sean. So like me, not WonderCon this weekend. No. I'm like I'm the so only person feel like the only person in the world that's not going to it. But it's a little it's a little far for uh a getaway from London for a weekend. So it'll be MCM um in May and then New York Comic Con in October. Yeah, and we also April 2nd, you both are going to be back on the podcast for a very special... Oh, are you dropping as a spoiler? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, we can announce it here for the first time, and we've right. teased to it. We, Sean, it's your it's your playground. You, you talk cool, so it. we are doing episode 2 of the X-Men D&D, uh, following the misadventures of the students played by Dayspring, uh, Demanda Martini, Michelle, and Justin... Uh, and Hami will be playing the newest student coming into the shenanigans. So Woo! stay tuned for that. <laughs> it's going to wreak havoc throughout the oh entire team. You would yes. be a great Dakin, though. If you just, you can spray paint your hair black or whatever you want. You'd be an excellent Dakin. I, I do agree. I don't know why I haven't done it. <laughs> I, I can't disagree. Here at Power of X-Men, we're going to continue our con coverage we're gonna be doing WonderCon this weekend i'm sad both these boys can't make it we're gonna be doing dragon con the weekend afterwards and i'll have to no not dragon con oh not dragon con megacon i'm sorry megacon thank you thank you sean for for correcting me we're gonna be doing megacon and i'm gonna have to get back really quickly because on sunday we're doing our DD episode we have a couple interview requests out some with actors some with talent the scheduling is my fault i'm like i'm so sorry insert celebrity name i'm just too busy to do it that day <laughs> but we, we we are planning a reunion episode flink and i wanted to do a reunion episode with a certain cast and we're just waiting on one more cast member to to be able to join and yeah we have we have a lot of great interviews on the horizon and 
you know, Power X-Men's coming along. We're very happy. And we love having you guys here. We love being here. And yes. we will be back with other things in the future. Hit us up at Power of X-Men. Give us your feels on who should be in X-Men 97. I'm Dayspring at Power of X-Men. I am Hammy73 uh, on Instagram and other places. And I'm Sean, aka Latvian Lad, on Instagram. All right, we'll see you all next week.